Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. We are here with Hernan. Um, wait, no, I, man, I messed it up again right there. No, you're good. You're good. That's good. Good? Okay, yeah. man. It's it's so funny because I have like such an ethnic name, Vicente Enriquez. I go by Vinny because my my other languages are bad. So if I mess up your name, I'm not trying to. Dude, Hernan, Hernan, Hernan. Like I've heard it all, bro. Like it's it's good. Well, man, I'm glad to get you on the podcast. I mean, if if you're in, if anyone listening right now is in the San Diego area, you've probably heard of uh, Business Bros. You guys have like close to 500 episodes, out, right? That's right. We're uh, gonna record 481 today, so we're we're well on our way. So, I mean, your idea, I mean, I was lucky enough to, to be on your podcast and got to, to meet you, got to see your studio. Um, I mean, tell us a little about what you do, because I know your, your brother and yourself have a background in real estate, yet this is kind of a platform to, to kind of get other people's voices out there. Yeah. So, um, so check it out. I, I mean, I've been in business for 17 years and it's been everything from, you know, flipping properties to a computer repair company. I owned a video game truck company. I had a cleaning company. Like I've dabbled in a lot of different industries. Um, and, and I've, I've, I've always had this, this thing and it was a Kiyosaki phase, you know, build businesses, invest in real estate, build businesses, invest in real estate. Um, so when we we're flipping properties, uh, I got my real estate license, so I don't have to pay a, a commission. I can just do the transaction myself and, and keep more of the profits in house. Uh, and then I started, you know, once people got wind that I had a real estate license, I started doing a little bit of representation here and there. Uh, and then about that time, I was like, you know what, this is really cool, but I really like the teaching aspect of things. I had my teaching credentials. I was like, well, let me see if I can teach people how to sell real estate. Uh, I got a certification uh, in the process of getting a certification to be a real estate coach. And my mentor at the time was had a has a daily podcast, and and they kept saying, you know, if you're if you have a business, you need to start a podcast. Around the same time, I, I, I got introduced to Gary V, and he's saying the same thing. What's the podcast? Uh, the mentor, it's uh, Tim and Julie Harris uh, Real Estate Coaching. Okay. So, I mean, they're, they're, it's a pretty big platform on, on iTunes. Uh, and, and uh, you know, same thing with Gary V. He's over here talking about, about, you know, start a podcast if you have a business. You should have a podcast. You should have a podcast. So, you know, I've been married or with my wife almost 20 years when, you know, people I look up to have uh, some advice, I tend to follow it, right? You know, any successful people you listen to or, or read about, uh, you you have a, they have already done something. So don't reinvent the wheel, just follow the process. It's already there. So I, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this real estate, this uh, podcast thing. And my intention was to get more real estate clients at first. Um, and I, so I started this podcast. I, t I basically, I dragged James, my, my brother into it. I was like, Hey man, we're going to do a podcast. He was like, he looked at me a little crazy. And then I told him we're going to do it every day. He looked at me a little crazier. And then I said, we're going to do it for at least three years. And then he thought I was just freaking nuts. Um, but my process was pretty simple. I was like, look, the best podcaster out there is Joe Rogan. He has a thousand episodes at the time. He had a thousand episodes. I was like, if we just, you know, follow in the same footsteps, then, who knows? We, I might not have millions of followers, but by a thousand episodes, I should be good at this and it should generate a good, a good, uh, referral base. And so we started going at it and, you know, for the first 50, 60 episodes, nobody freaking listened to a single one except my mom. Like she's the only one who would, who would chime in from time to time. And then my eight year old son said, dad, if you want people to listen to your podcast, you need to get influencers on your show. I was like, huh. So basically he's saying I need to interview people. So we started reaching out to people. Um, and I only knew really people in the real estate space. 
So I found out real quick doing a podcast with real with realtors wasn't really getting me real estate <laughs> transactions. But what it did do is allow me to interview people who had an insurable interest. And we did have an insurance agency on the side. And so uh, that's what James does full time. He runs our insurance agency. So we figured, okay, well, let's get a platform where we can interview people. All these people have an insurable interest. This is a way for us to get in front of people and tell them what it is we do. Right. And so that is where business bros really started to take off. Now it didn't matter whether you were in real estate, or you were in insurance, you or you had a restaurant, it didn't matter the industry you were in, you were gonna come on the show and this is gonna be a platform for you to tell your story. Um, I don't keep it specific on my show. Like we don't have to talk specifically about, you know, the intricacies of a 1031 tax exchange or nothing like that. We can, if you want to, but we don't have to, uh, I give the the guests the opportunity to tell their story because that's the funnest part, right? What were, what were the struggles? What were the trials and tribulations you went through? What was the, the hardest part of business for you? How did you overcome that? What's your mentality like? What are your daily habits? Like these are the things that people who are just starting off in business, may not understand, right? Like business has this glamorous look to it, but you don't realize that starting a business sucks. It is not the easiest thing in the world. It takes work. It looks like the easy button. It looks like they just hit a button and all of a sudden, you know, overnight they became successful, but you didn't see all the prospecting they did ahead of time, all the networking they did it, you know, years of, of door knocking, years of meeting with people, years of, of building relationships, when you see them absolutely successful is 10, 15 years down the road when they've done all that hard work and now they're generating referrals, right? Now it's just a referral-based platform where people are sending you business on a regular basis. And so a rookie getting into the real estate game, for example, looks at that veteran. It's like, oh, that's easy. All you got to do is get referrals. That's easy. I can do that. And they don't realize the footwork that goes into it. So, you know, it, it's it's like anything else. Podcasting is, is no different. It's not the easiest thing in the world because there's stuff that goes that you have to do ahead of time. There's stuff that you have to do after the fact. But if you just continue to do it on a regular basis, you'll get you'll get better at it. The processes you'll start to put into place and the people you will meet is amazing. I don't know about you, Vinny. So far for me, podcasting has been the number one prospecting tool I have ever come across. Prior to podcasting, I, it took a lot to get somebody to give me five minutes of their time at, you know, like a coffee shop. But now people will give me 45 minutes of their time to be on my show. And I don't know if there's any other way that I could do that, but podcasting has opened up that door. Yeah, I know for, for myself, I mean, I, my thing was hyper-focused on the idea that you kind of talked about, about, okay, building a platform, building a podcast. And for my, it was building just a, any kind of business is hard. Right. And I think and I say it so many times on this podcast is the idea of what you see on social media. You only see 10 percent, 5 percent, 15 percent of someone's life. And it makes it just glamorous. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's I mean, one of the things right there. You, you only see the, the good parts of it. And I think some people push that idea out there, too, saying, hey, this is easy. Don't worry about this. So that was like the goal of this podcast. And I'm only recently starting the idea of, OK, how can I leverage this platform to maybe talk to someone that I wanted to talk to or get a little piece a growth out of this person, get the information and hear kind of how they overcame their struggles. I mean, so that's kind of been a slow like transition. But for, for me, it was not about building a business. It was about helping out these young realtors, help these young people that didn't know better. Yeah. You have a team. 
And so you, you're trying to find ways to give your team the tools that they need to be successful. Um, for, for, for me, the prospecting thing, um, was always something I never looked forward to. Like any, anybody in any sales position doesn't look forward to the prospecting. It's the worst part of the day because you have to filter through the nose. You know what I mean? Like no I mean, is not I, always the best part. Man, I actually kind of like the prospecting. I, I mean, cause every, every phone call is different phone call. Even when I get the nose or get the rejections, I mean, it's, it's usually the fun ones are a different way of getting rejected. if you've ever okay so um and and i think this comes with age and experience because you're right now i actually look forward to i try to get to know as fast as possible because that's the starting point If, if you've ever read um chris voss's split the difference um, th- he has a great book on he's a, he's a negotiator, an FBI negotiator, right? Um, and in his book, he talks about different ways of negotiating and how life's a negotiation. But he really, really focuses on um, a- a certain strategies. And one of them is no is just the beginning. The soon As soon as you can get your client to say no, that is where you begin the negotiation of getting to yes. They just don't understand where they're at yet, right? They don't have enough information. No doesn't mean no. It just usually means I don't know enough to make a decision yet. Uh, and so if you can get there sooner than later, then it's better. But when you're first starting out, you think no is, is like a personal wound. Like you said something wrong and now you're personally offended and you don't feel like you have the motivation to keep going. And that's why most salespeople fall off, right? That's why they don't keep going. Well, but it, the funny thing is, is when you're talking about you take it personal, I mean, one of the things I say, and it's very simple, you're not as important as you think you are. Yes. Right? Like someone could yell at you and tell you, oh my gosh, why are you calling me? And then you talk to them a week later and they go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry my cat died or my dog died or my family member died. And you're like, Oh shit, that wasn't no angry at me. That was angry at basically what happened. If they even remember you. Yeah. If they remember exactly. That's, that's the key, right? You're not. And and, and that's absolutely right. You're, you're not, the world revolves around you to you, but it also revolves around them to them, right? That's, that's their universe, what they're going through. You don't know what's, what, what's going on in their life. As soon as you're able to disconnect the two that, you know, their reaction is not your reality. Then, then it's, it, it really opens up the door for prospecting. Um, so, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. Uh-huh. I, I want to get, get back in the idea because we're talking about basically it's all about, about, about you. And this podcast is about you. We want to hear about business bros. I mean, and you're talking about that you're in real estate, you're playing properties, you're in teaching, you're doing all these different platform insurance. I mean, yeah. did this start at a young age where you're just like, you know what? I want to start a business. I want to build something. Or Tell me a little about a young you. Yeah. So, um, you know what? For me, it started when I was in high school. I was I was a pretty good baseball player. I thought it was going to be one of those where I, I make it to the show, right? I was going to go pro. Um, and so I had this idea of, of being rich and famous. And as a kid, when you think of rich and famous and as a ball player, you can say those things with confidence. And you're like, yes, that's where I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to achieve. Uh, and then as you grow up, things don't work out as well. You get injured or whatever the reason. For me, it, it, baseball didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. So fine. Now I have to hit the real world. But that that ambition of fame never left me. It's still part of what I wanted to be. Um, but I was embarrassed to say it. Like all of a sudden when you're like 25, you're like, I want to be famous. Yeah, okay, dude. Yeah, so does everybody else. You know, it doesn't make a difference. So I kind of I kind of put that aside. But uh and and I and as far as money was concerned, 
um, I, I started reading Kiyosaki books when I was, uh, you know, 19 years old or so. And I remember working at the bank was my first job and I was filling these money envelopes for the Padres and they were dinner money. So, it, so essentially what happens is they go on a, a road trip. They were going on a three day road trip and on top of their salary, they get this envelope and it's dinner money. And I was filling that envelope with more money for a three day road trip for them than I was making in a month. And so when I sat there filling those envelopes, I was like, dude, I'm doing something wrong. Not, not to mention that I was filling it for a baseball player, which I was like, damn it, that's what I was supposed to do, right? But I, I figured there's another way to do this. There are other people who have achieved a financial level of success. I can do that too. So I picked up my first book. I went through high school, pretty much got straight A's through high school. It was like 3.85, but I never actually read a book. I learned how the school system worked. If I paid attention to the teacher, they usually talked about what they were going to put on the test. And then I did the practice work. So I did good when it came to the test. It was not very difficult to do. But I didn't pick up my first book until after high school, and it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And once I started reading that, I was like, oh, okay, there are different rules. So you can see Monopoly right behind me, right? And I, I tell this story oh, all the time. Cash flow, like, too, right there. Cash flow, too, yep. And so, uh, and so for Monopoly, I always, tell, I always tell my students, and I always tell people the same thing. The first time you play Monopoly, you suck at it. And the reason why you suck at it is because you don't know the rules to the game. The second time you play, you have a chance of winning because you already know the rules. Well, life is the same way. The only reason why you don't win at money is because you don't know the rules to the game. So if you learn the rules, if you learn taxes and you learn to speak the language of taxes, you learn to speak the language of accounting, you learn to speak all these different aspects of finance, then you know the rules and you have a better chance of winning. But if you keep your head buried in the sand, then you can't expect to win at that game. Even if you get lucky and cash in a lotto ticket, chances are within a few years, you're going to be in a worse position because you didn't learn the rules of money. You might have gotten some, but if you don't learn to earn it and to make it, to develop a system to generate cash flow, and all you've ever learned your whole life is to spend and you're going to have issues, right? So I've, I heard a saying, uh, if you, if you win a million dollars, you better learn to become a millionaire real quick or you're going to lose it all. So we, we're going to have to try to fix that up in, in post. Um, cause I think it, there's a little bit of a snag right there. So right at this point, 13. Uh, yeah. Right. So we'll, we'll start kind of start from again from around here, but, um, so yeah, the idea of learning, learning the rules and then kind of actually putting it into play. I mean, when did that actually come through? Because people can have all the knowledge in the world, yet not implement it. Mm -hmm. So yep. how long after you read the book did you allow yourself to actually take that dive? So um, there's there's this uh, like a 15 minute audio by Earl Nightingale. And in it, he says, uh, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal or worthy goal, right? Um, and so I started reading stuff on, on Robert Kiyosaki. I started to listen to things and then by necessity, I was forced into my first business. So we bought our first home at 20 years old, James and I, I was, I was 20, he was 19 at the time. And, um, and it was during, it was during the 2003, 2004, it was a hot market. You could fog a mirror, pretty much anybody could buy a home. We just happened to bump into somebody who said, you can do it too. Fill out this paperwork. And we, they gave us keys, 20 year olds. And they gave us keys to our own house. They were crazy. Anyways, uh, a few months after owning it, James uh, rolls his truck working at Cox Communications and they fire him. And so we have this mortgage that we have to pay. And he was installing high-speed internet at the time and fixing computers. This is during the uh, Windows 2000 era, Windows 98 era. So, you know, that that type of horrible computer. But um, 
we would literally create flyers and every morning get up in the morning and just drop off flyers door to door. Hey, we'll fix your computer. We'll install your high speed internet. We'll fix your computer and install your high speed internet. The flyers turned into door hangers. And then we got really smart and we put a sticker on the bottom of the door hanger and it was like, throw this door hanger away, put the sticker on your computer, call us when you need us. Uh, and we went from, you know, getting James one job a day to, you know, three, four jobs a day, hiring a tech, hiring another tech, opening a store. Mind you, we started making all this money. Uh, on accident. And I had zero business knowledge. I was young. So it was like every day was a party at my house. I wasn't focused on a business. I was focused on, is there cash in the cash uh, in the cash box at the end of the day? Yes. Cool. Beer. We're going home. We're going to have a good time. I didn't treat it like a business. Uh, and then when James, his girlfriend broke his heart, he joined the Navy and left. I went to shut this thing down. And that was the biggest uh, education in personal business and, and personal finance and business that I ever had. Things like, what's a tax return? You haven't filed a tax return in a number of years. You never filed any employee uh, payroll quarterlies. You didn't. Uh, you have long-term leases on your building. You have long-term marketing contracts with Yellow Pages. That's how long ago it was, by the way. Yellow Pages, uh, and you know all these different things that I, I eventually ended up having to sell our home here in San Diego. We had bought another investment property in Las Vegas. I had to sell that. We closed everything down. I went like broke, filed my own personal bankruptcy. Um, I ended up having like 20 grand in cash left over, completely broke. I had dropped out of school because I thought I was too good for, for school because I was making all kinds of money who needed that. And I was going to get married in six months. So that was like, you know, I had the the up and the down. The down was the greatest education. And that's where I really started to put that thing into practice where, okay, I played the game and I did good. I got lucky and now I sucked at it. What else do I need to learn? So once I, once I filed for that bankruptcy and everything closed, the very first thing I did was I enrolled in tax school and I started to learn about who this Uncle Sam guy was and why he was taking all my money. And then after that, I went back to school and I, I knew what I was going to do this time. I got my degree in accounting and I started to learn the rules to this game of life. And as soon as I knew the rules, another door opened. I started you know, doing a tax practice. And because I was doing a tax practice, sitting in front of people uh, with a reactive, that's what taxes are, right? We're talking about what happened the year before. I started to learn about what they can do ahead of time to prevent you know, that tax burden at the end of the year. So I ended up getting my you know, insurance license and I met a business partner that had an insurance school and he was starting an insurance company and they needed somebody to do their bookkeeping. And by then I you know, had my degree in accounting. So it opened the door to a bunch of different things. Uh, and, and to the point where I am now, right? I've had multiple businesses. I've tried multiple things and they're all just testing the rules of this game of business and this game of finance. Some of them worked really well. Some of them didn't work so well. We closed them down and now we're in a position where we have this podcast and I've debated and I debated and I debated we're, we're going into, uh, we're finishing up year two now. And in the last three or four months, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this thing that I like to do as a hobby and turn it into a business. But I was hesitant because I know what it takes to start a business and it's not easy. It's, it's difficult. But again, if you know the rules, you have a better chance of winning. So what are those you're talking about? Okay. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't work out. It, I mean, it seems like you mean can do, if I need to figure this out, I'm just going to go for it. And you had some ones that just didn't work out. Once you know that it, those weren't the right places for you, right? Jobs for you, right? Companies for you and kind of give up on it. Yeah. So for me, that has to do with your own time. 
right? So I'll give you an example. The game truck company, for for example, I had a game truck company. I literally would uh, take my truck and, and attach a 32-foot trailer, had TVs inside with video games. I'd pull up to a kid's birthday party. Kids would jump in. We'd play video games for a few hours, right? Sounds really cool. Sounds really fun. And it was. Um, the only thing is, if I wasn't there to tow the trailer to the party, the party didn't happen. If I didn't pick up the phone to answer the calls, I wasn't booking the parties. If I wasn't actively working in that business and doing everything that needed to be done, it wasn't happening. And at that time, I was, I was, uh, again, I had built a business, but it wasn't, it wasn't what now I would consider a business. It's what I would consider being self-employed. And that has never been something that I wanted to do. And anything that you do self-employed, you have to understand that when you go on vacation, your paycheck goes on vacation. If you stop, your business stops. They're one and the same. And so uh, I've, I've uh, since, since that business and since other businesses, I've decided I don't want to be self-employed anymore. I want to build a business where it operates whether or not I'm there every day. When the phone rings, someone's going to answer it. The transaction's going to happen. The work is going to get done, but I don't have to be there to do it all. And, and so for me, that was, those were some of the differentiators between whether or not I wanted to continue. Was this a business where I'm doing uh, something that I want to do on a daily basis where I'm maybe like, for example, now with the, with the insurance company, I make sure that, that our, our carriers get paid on transactions. I make sure that our, that our agents get paid their commissions. That is my role. That's what I like to do. It doesn't require me to go to the office or do anything like that. I have people in the admin position to handle most of the data entry. I only handle the back end. I make sure basically sign the checks and verify stuff and, and it goes out. That is the role that I want to play. I don't want to do day-to-day operations because that is not my cup of tea. So when I whenever I had a business before, I learned from experience the reason why you end up quitting in the first five years if the business is successful is because of burnout. Is because you don't want to do those types of activities anymore. So, you know, to me, I wanted to build true businesses, uh, not being self-employed. And that's usually where I made my step out. So like with insurance, with the podcast, with these other platforms, right? It's the idea that you can leverage people, leverage um, systems that you put in place. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, unless you're coming from, from money or coming from uh, some kind of yeah, pocketbook where you can actually invest and basically bring in an admin before the actual profit is there. You almost have to take take those those different hats and wear them until you can actually the business can afford to bring on those other people to wear those hats. Yeah, and and oftentimes you do uh, unless you structure it um, in a partnership scenario. So one of the the things that you can't escape, and this is to me in my own experience, is the sales aspect. Right, if you can generate income you can find a way to do the other parts of the business. So you have to really get good at networking with people and getting people to convert to a sale, right? Whatever that is. If you can solve that problem, then it's much easier for you to start multiple ventures because you can sell an idea to a partner. You can sell an idea to a venture capitalist or whatever it's going to be to get that that nest egg going. Um, if your skills are not in the sales part, maybe your skills are in the technical part, that to me is where you it, it's it's much easier for you to fall into that pit of being self-employed and that's where you really have to learn to partner with people and convince those people of the value that you bring as a technician you ever uh, read uh eat the e-myth by michael gerber 
So he talks about the the three parts of the business. There's the entrepreneur. This person's like a very overview individual. They take uh, the company in mythological directions, right? But there's the manager who's in between. And that manager is making sure that when the entrepreneur says they want to do something, they're putting the systems in place to make that happen. And then there's the technician, the person who's actually doing the work part, right? And you need all three people in a business. They don't, it doesn't really work unless you have all three, but most of us are stronger in one than the other. And so, you know, you're right. At first you might have to wear multiple hats, but if you develop your business as a structure and, and not as a, not as a person, you, you create a position in your business, then you can replace that per that, that spot with an individual to run that system. Right. And that, that's the key in, in building anything. But uh, the hardest thing for a technician, in, in my experience, especially early on, for example, for me, the doing the tax returns is the technician, right? It's hard for me to release the part of creating the tax return to somebody else because I feel like I'm the one who can do it the best, right? I, 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 I'm, the, I'm the skilled person at this point. So as, a, as an individual, if you can't let go, if you can't trust, then you will fall prey to that self-employed and then you will, you, you could burn out. Um, I do know people who have been self-employed their entire life and they love it. They love the control of it. They have, you know, one or two people that work with them and they're happy. And to that, I just say, you know what, if you're happy, you're happy. I can't argue with, with happiness. I just know for me personally, it's about building a true business versus being self-employed. So where do you take it? Where's that goal? Because there's, you mean that, that big why, and my assumption is it has to do with your family. And there's the, the avenue of where do you want to take this? There. Yes. Um, if you're talking about the podcast or you're talking about the, yeah. In general, I mean, a, a person that wears so many hats and has so many businesses, I mean, there's usually some end, end goal of where they want to take it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I've had this discussion. I'll, I'll give you the example of the insurance agency, right? So uh, it, it's me and uh, and I have three other partners. And um, we often talk about what we're going to do in the long game. And half of us are one way, half of us are the other way. So half of us are, are, are working towards developing the insurance company so that we can eventually sell it off. The, the other half, we have kids and we're like, we're going to develop this insurance company so we can hand it off to our children. And our children have a place to go to work and to build a, a life after the fact. Um, so I'm in that camp. I like to build my businesses to leave uh, a legacy going forward. I don't really feel like leaving a house is a good enough legacy. If I can leave you a cash flow, a cash cash cow, essentially, right? This is something that you can operate or runs itself. I think that's more beneficial to my kids than just leaving a leaving a home. So yeah, that's that's for me the the end game. I want to build a conglomerate that you can sell. Right. So half my team wants to be able to put a valuation on it and sell it a system that that can sell. And I think there's huge value in that. But I don't see myself ever selling uh, the company. I see my like my son or my daughter growing up and becoming, you know, working their way up through that that corporate ladder and leading and having the the experience versus the book work. Um, that I, I just see the education system uh, a little bit differently. I don't see it as, uh, you know, get your degree and then the world will come to you. I think it's uh, the value of experience is, is bigger and having control of that experience is even stronger. So that's, that's for me, the end game right now, the podcast, I want to, I'm using this as a tool to meet new people, um, to filter people into the different funnels and build my network. And the insurance agency is something that I want to leave long-term for my children. So the insurance company, you know, this, that's going to be the core, right? Because so are you seeing any kind of mm-hmm. 
variances, any other businesses you might try to add on in the future, or is that going to be kind of the hyper focus and anything's going to really stem from the insurance agency? So the insurance agency is is my core. Um, I do always like to build other other things. I don't think my mind would ever shut off. Like for example, the podcast. Um, it it didn't have to come to play, but it did. And so we're monetizing and turning it into a business. Um, and I'm sure that's going to open up doors in other directions. I get approached all the time uh, now with the podcast with somebody that comes up and says, "Hey, I got an idea for this business. What do you think?" Um, and, and in my classroom, I always like to do, I have a, every, like once a month I'll do a shark tank Friday. So we'll watch some shark tank episode on a Friday on a short Friday in, in class. Uh, and I get the question, you know, do you want to be on, do you want to be, uh, like sell a product or something on shark tank? I'm like, nah, man, personally, I would rather be the shark. So I do think that at some point I want to get to the point where I become more like a venture capitalist and I'm investing in other businesses to help them grow. Um, but, uh, but the main thing is going to be, is going to be fueled from that insurance agency. How old are your kids at, uh, for high school, uh, school? My daughter's 11. My son turned 10 yesterday. What about the, the kids you teach? My, uh, I have seniors. Um, and every once in a while I get a freshman class. So I get uh 15 year olds and 17 year olds, 14 year olds, and 17 year olds, something like that. If so, I mean, that's a, can be a very emotional time for, um, kids in general. I mean, what do you tell them when, when they're looking at the idea of, of struggle? Oh man. So, um, I got a kind of, kind of a, a weird story for this one. Uh, the, this year I was talking to my seniors and, um, and I had all senior classes this year and I had told them all, I was like, Hey guys, look, um, you know, when, when I graduated high school, it was, it was, it was kind of a tough time. Uh, during 2008, the class of 2007, 2008, 2009, they walked into a hard, uh, difficult time in the economy, being able to find jobs. I was like, you guys are in 2020, we're overdue for a recession here. You know, you guys should prepare for, for that type of time. And then wouldn't you know it, COVID happens. They don't even get a normal graduation. They're walking into a time where, you know, 22 million people are unemployed. It's like a ridiculous type of scenario and nothing that I ever would have thought would happen is, is what's happening. Um, but, uh, I was talking about that this week. I've had a couple kids. Um, two, of, two of my students have been option trading. I had a, I had a conference call with, with one of them today. He went from $3,000, uh, that he had invested in his options trading and he's up to a hundred grand in this first year. And just, just watching the market and playing the volatility that's going on. So he's going to take some of that money and, and he wants to invest it in, in some real estate, right? And, and that's an impressive one. I got another kid who started a, a mobile car wash. So he's able to go to people's homes and wash their cars. And he's doing relatively well at that. I got another group of kids uh, that are doing like bakery stuff and they're starting to create their own products and selling their stuff online. I got another girl that was in my class and she does um, she does wigs for, for black women. And she does a really good job of, you know, you can't even tell that it's a wig the way she does it and she's when she was in my class and she was doing that um and, and her own thing and i i convinced her to start posting the how to's on on instagram and she was hesitant but she did it and now she was selling courses on how to do particular you know wigs on stuff like they're taking their skills in, in that i told them in class i'm like you guys already have things that you love to do give it a shot do it you might do really really well 
you might not do so well. But the fact that you take action, this is where the education happens. This is where the real learning happens because you have your own money in the game. It's different than when you're playing pretend. When you put your money down and you're risking your time and you're risking your money, you put a little bit more effort in and you will, you may win, you may not win. But I guarantee you, when you come out of that, when you come out of that experience, you're going to have a lot more, uh, you're going to have a lot more clarity in what you want to do. You're going to understand how the game's played and you're going to do a lot better the next time. So for me, you know, when I talk to these kids, it's not about, uh, I, I'm, I'm the opposite of you have to go to college. I'm more of the, you need to go out and experience the life that you want to lead. If you want to be famous, even though, you know, it sounds funny saying it to people, go volunteer, go volunteer, you know, go to, I don't care. Maybe Beyonce has an office and you want to just, you know, bring coffee to that office every day or do something where you're volunteering in the industry that you want to be in for, I I push that on the seniors because they have to do community service, volunteer somewhere where you want to work in, get your foot in the door, give it a shot. And if you want to go to college, college will always be there. School will always be there. But for now, you have the University of Google at your fingertips. You have the ability to network with people that you never would have thought possible and volunteer your time. You don't know what doors that can open up. So that that's how I approach them senior year. That's what I kind of push on them. Um, and there are some that are just going to go 100% go straight to the college route. But most of the kids who take my class are not there because they are going the college route. They're going to my class because they're struggling. They've been struggling all through high school. So I try to give them that other option. Like just because you didn't do good in high school doesn't mean that this is the end. This is actually the beginning. And you have a head start versus everybody else because you get to experience life first. So if a parent's listening right now and maybe they have a teenager kid mm-hmm. that's I mean, struggling, maybe really doesn't want to hear it, what kind of advice uh, would you give them to maybe get them uh, more focused on kind of what they're doing? So this is this is one of those weird ones, because uh, when we when we as we as parents are often uh, using our kids as a, a we're prideful of them. Right. We're we're very. Uh, when they get straight A's, we feel like we got straight A's. Like it validates us as parents, the, the achievements of our children. Um, and, and it's difficult because what you, what you should really be asking this kid is what does this kid want to do? And you might not as a parent like the answer, but there's more to that answer than, than, you know, like you can inspire them to do more things within that space than just that space that they're talking about. Um, I had a kid that, that, uh, like my son, for example, he wants to play video games. Well, cool. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you want to play video games. What kinds of games are you playing? So he's playing this like Roblox game and he's like building restaurants and hiring people on, on, he's literally trying to do what he sees me do, but he's doing it in a video game. But if I, j- and, and I wouldn't have understood that if I didn't dig a little bit deeper. Right. If I didn't say, okay, cool, tell me about this gaming that you want to do. What is it that you want to learn here? What is it that you want to achieve here? There's more to these kids' stories and what they want to achieve. And if you can open up their creativity, they're going to want to learn. For some reason, when we're when we're little, up to maybe about fourth or fifth grade, we actually enjoy learning. We go to school and we want to learn things. We we're we come home excited about the things we learn. And then someone something happens about fifth, sixth, or seventh grade where maybe things get just a little more complex and and all of a sudden school becomes a chore. 
And, and that's, that's sad because learning is some of the greatest things. So you graduate high school, you go through a little bit of hard knocks and then you get into your twenties and you realize, holy crap, if I learned this little something, I can make a little more money. And all of a sudden learning is fun again. And you start to learn at an, at a, at a fast rate. So if we can just fill the gap there in that, in that, you know, from like sixth grade to like 10th grade or whatever it is, if we can fill that gap with empowering our kids to want to learn something, whether or not it's it's what we want them to learn, but give them the ability to to want to learn things, I think that's much more powerful. It, you know, school is not built for everybody. School is built for a few type of minds, but empowering our kids to learn something that they want to learn and then elaborating on that, I think that's that's a, a, a difficult approach, but a better, better approach for, for your individual child. Well, thank you for being on the platform. If someone's looking to to reach out to you for insurance, hear your podcast, um, anything like that, what's the best way of them kind of following you? Absolutely. You guys can find us at Business Bros Pod. Uh, and if if you guys want a free podcasting ebook, by the way, I want you guys to start your own podcast. If you're in business, best way, I mean, prospecting, me, uh, meeting people, getting to know uh, your prospective clients or your prospective vendors, a podcast is a good way to go. Get the free ebook, www.businessbros.biz slash free pop, F-R-E-E-P-O-P. So the P-O-P is for power of podcasting. Teach you how to start a podcast from development to pr- uh, promotion, launch and visibility and monetization, all for free. You can do it. It's not very difficult to get started. It's difficult to keep going. Yeah. I mean, there's so many podcasts that just have like a couple episodes because they just kind of died out. Reality is, is there's so many videos out there. I mean, anyone listening right now, I mean, I appreciate you listening to the Road to Growth podcast. And I would love to hear it if, if you guys wanted to start your own. Uh, follow Business Bros. Look up their link. Uh, send me the link when you have a second. Will do. Uh, and I'll put that in the, the comment section. Again, thank you for being on the podcast. Love your story. Love your positive um, outlook. I mean, we never really even dive deeper into to, to the true struggles that you've kind of gone through because it was so much positive. It was like, okay, here we are <laughs> here, here we are here. And I think with your background of being a, a teacher right there, you kept on learning from each kind of almost mistake, learning from each kind of struggle that you might have had and had a positive way of looking at that. And I think that's, you learned that, at, I think, at a younger age than most of us. I think so. I think so. I think it was embedded. I, You know, um, my dad has this web, this uh, Facebook page that he started, and he has this thing called the Personal Integrity Creed, the Pi Creed, um, and it really, really validates like how we grew up, and it, a lot of it has to do with you have a choice in life. Like you can look at things, uh, and you can choose. You have you have a responsibility. You have the ability to respond to every situation in life. And you can respond in a negative way and usually, you know, what you give will come back to you. So you can respond in a negative way and you're going to get negative recourses back. You can respond in a positive way and chances are positivity is going to come your way. It's not a law. It's not 100%. It doesn't happen every time. But for the most part, you treat people well, they treat you well. Well, I mean, one of the big things that, that it took me a while to pick up was there's never an idea of failure if you learn from it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if, if you can, you can see those struggles, you can see those issues you had right there and you can learn from that. It's, it's never a failure. It's just a bump in the road. Yep. And if you can take that and uh, not care what other people say about it, that's an even bigger step. Well, again, thank you for being on the podcast. I will have all the information in the, in the comments and the description. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this episode. Everyone listening, hopefully you got a lot out of it. 
And please subscribe, please share, and tell your friends. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.